0: Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasa Zajc. Slovenia is currently presiding the Council of EU until 2022. In the first week of September, the members of the Slovenian health tech ecosystem – Organized the conference about examples of good practices in healthcare digitalization across Europe. In one of the previous episodes, you were already able to listen to the panel discussion about the healthcare digitalization strategy in Catalonia, which is betting on open EHR. Today's episode is an adapted recording of the panel discussion about Germany. In the upcoming two episodes, you're going to hear adapted recordings of panel discussions about Israel and Finland, so if you haven't yet and are interested in these two topics, do subscribe to the podcast to be notified about next episodes automatically. Now about Germany. In the past two years, a lot of efforts have been put in place to accelerate the progress of of the digitalization of healthcare digital infrastructure in Germany. Many laws were passed. The country received a lot of international attention for DIGA process, which enables startups to make their apps reimbursable and prescribable by doctors. But the bigger national projects, which saw the day of life this year, were the introduction of the electronic patient record, telemedicine and e-prescriptions. On the funding side, the Federal Ministry of Health in Germany and the federal states are investing 4.3 billion euros for concrete projects that work towards the digitalization of hospitals. So in this panel discussion, we're going to scratch the surface of the design of the national strategy and the digital health infrastructure in Germany and also look at practical examples of the Medical Informatics Initiative. Medical Informatics Initiative is a separate project to improve medical research and consequently patient care. But without further ado, let's move to the panel discussion, which was moderated by Maya Dragovic, former journalist for DigitalHealth.net, now a business developer at Better. She will also present the speakers. Enjoy the show. And do visit our website, www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. Also, in the blog section, you can find recaps of previous shows. I added the direct link to the post related to this series of panel discussions in the show notes.
1: Please allow me to welcome our today's speakers, Dr. Michael Marshall. He's a professor for medical informatics at Hanover Medical School in Germany and the executive director of the Peter L. Reichert Institute for Medical Informatics of TU Braunschweig and Hanover Medical School. Also joining us is Mr. Johannes Stalinger. He's an MD working as an interdisciplinary digital health consultant in ho health in Germany. Also joining us is Mr. Mark Languth, e-health consultant. He's a former senior product manager at GEMATIC. And also from Germany, Mr. Fabian Prasser, Professor of Medical Informatics at the Berlin Institute of Health at the Charité University Hospital, of Berlin. And in Slovenia, we were supposed to be joined by Ms. Anka Bolka. She's head of director, director of field for development and analysis at the Health Insurance Institute of Slovenia. Unfortunately, she was unable to join us, but we will be joined by Mr. Tomasz Marcun, and he manages application development department at the uh, Health Insurance Institute for Slovenia. Mr. Marjun, uh can I start with you first? <laughs> this discussion is focused on Germany, but I hope you don't mind me starting with a comparison first. Slovenia has had e-health cards since the 90s. The national backbone to store patient data was introduced in 2015, and it contains discharge letters, ambulatory results, e-prescriptions were introduced in 2016, and then e-referrals in 2017. What were the key factors that enabled the introduction of these digital projects relatively early compared to many other countries in the EU?
2: for the early projects like in the 90s when we introduced the uh, health insurance card this was really some infrastructure project and we at that time the data of patients actually insured persons are uh, was not very accurate uh, so the first task was really to improve the, the quality of, of data to be able to really to have good register and to issue the cards and also of course on the other side on the side of healthcare professionals healthcare providers uh, also this IT equipment needs to be uh, at a certain level. So, for example, when using smart cards, uh, every, at every point of care, you need uh, to have a computer and a card. And for further projects, as you mentioned, uh, for example, e-prescription, it's, more di- it's even more difficult. So you uh, need to not only to have the, the data of, of, of the patient to which the prescription is issued, but also good data about medications. Before that, we uh, had to set up a national database, high-quality database of uh, all the medications. We had a certain register before, but it needs to be improved and really linked uh, to the processes. This data is created, for example, at the agency of medications, where the registration process for medications is, is, is done, and also additional data which is necessary, for example, which type of prescription to issue. Is, is it covered by health insurance or is covered by the pay? And healthcare providers, e-prescription needs online access. So the access to to web at all points where a prescription are issued and also in pharmacies where medications are provided. It's again important to the equipment, all these points where the process uh, goes on and on the other hand also all these projects need good management so (laughs) really to be able to solve all the open questions and really to make solutions that are fully um, compliant with all the needs of the patients and health professionals and so the staff need to, the project staff need to have energy and answers to all those Uh, uh, challenges so that uh, at the end the the solution is really uh, good and that all the users are trusting the solution so that every day uh, it's stable and uh, works works fine.
1: Thank you. Mr. Lagos, you worked for 12 years at uh, GEMATIC which is the German national body in charge of designing standard specifications for the national digital infrastructure. This year Germany introduced uh, electronic health records and e-prescriptions. Can you briefly share why the launch of these solutions happened relatively late compared to other European countries? And how is Germany approaching the design of uh, the digital infrastructure?
3: Mm -hmm. Yes, I'll... uh try to explain that it's a little bit complicated in Germany. The legislator decided that they didn't want to trust one company to build up the basic infrastructure on which the applications would run but rather decided that they would like to have a kind of open market where vendors can participate freely and the dramatic would only do the specification and offer requirements for all those components and services needed to bring up the infrastructure. So what we actually do have is a multitude of paper-based specifications, about 6,000 or 7,000 pages long for every component and every service of the telemetry infrastructure. So we have the smart cards, the core uh, functionality of the card operating system, the object system, the deployment process, time servers, DNS servers. Every component of uh, the telematic infrastructure is defined in detail and specification on a functional level and a security level. The whole infrastructure was built by the idea of security and privacy by design. We have a stronghold on the security um, We we only use uh, security-certified components, and in that scenario, the idea was that Dramatic would offer the specifications. Um, The vendors on the market can decide whether or not they want to participate, like building a smart card for the insurance company so they can issue the um, health insurance card, for example, or build a connector, the the router that's connecting the local practice to the, the central core. Uh, And so on and so forth. And if a vendor does decide that he wants to implement his own component or his service, he would do and he would try to hold every requirement dramatically defined. And then he would go uh, through a certification process on the dramatic side where you have to show that every security measure um, is met and every requirement is held. And this is a kind of a waterfall model. So we have the legislator defining in detail in law of which component the system has to assist and who does what in that process. Then the that takes about one to two years for every new law that is issued. Then we have the dramatic specifying in detail for every component and uh, service what to do that takes one to five years to do a specification like for an EHR, personal um, health record for the patient. And then the industry starts developing it. Additionally, two years for implementing. And then we have the certification process, again, at the dramatic side, that again takes uh, six to 18 or 24 months. So from the idea, and we're starting with the legislation, to finally roll out, in best case, we have a duration of five to seven years, and that's only best case. Unfortunately, in Germany, we have a self-government system in healthcare, so we don't have one instance deciding what to do. Instead, we have that self-government system with 50% um, of the insurance companies holding the money from the insured persons, spending it, and on the other side, 50% for the uh, doctors, practitioners, and so on. And these two parties were the stakeholders of the dramatic. And every core decision had to be made with a two-third majority. You have a 50-50 stakeholder majority, and you can easily see that really is a problem. So we have a lot of blocking points here in the governmental uh, system. And the ministry finally decided that they wouldn't want to change it. And the ministry took over 51% of the shares of the GEMATIC and changed the way GEMATIC works to a normal majority decision. So actually the government, the ministry now can decide what to do. And that gave a hard push forward. And along with that, in Germany, we have... Um, Actually, we we, we don't have an incentive-based mechanism like in Italy, for example, where the practitioners are eager to switch over to digitalization. Instead, it's decided by the legislator that the infrastructure has to be implemented and the um, doctors' offices and clinics and and pharmaceutical institutions have to connect. And if they don't do it, they get punished. There are sanctions adjacent to that. So it's a, a system of pressure And along with that pressure, there was no real use of the infrastructure. The first application that was issued was a master data um, system with no use case at all for the practitioner side. It's only an organizational situation. So we had a... A, push, a pushed rollout and the doctors and so on had to connect. They have uh, shifts in their organizational processes and they have to invest money since not everything is covered um, by the returned uh, money they get from the insurance companies and w- w- with no benefit at all. And those benefits will start nowadays where we have the emergency data application, we have the um, medication plan on the telematic infrastructure. We, we just have started the electronic health record, and we will be starting the electronic prescription system. With all, we, 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 they, they all can have positive impulse on the way a doctor works. But unfortunately, since we have the long delay between the, the specification and then the product going to market, there are actually no feedback loops So the the ones that decide how a function has to work there so far didn't get really connected to the ones that have to use the software. So there still is a gap between how the function, how the system works uh, and what the practitioners actually do need. Mm -hmm. And um, since the governmental structure is as it is, I do think that we'll have still some problems here coming the next couple of years to get that system up and running in a way that the practitioner is happy to use
1: Thank you. Quite a few obstacles to overcome. So, on top of the already mentioned 4.3 billion euros of funding to digitalize hospitals, the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research has also launched its uh, medical informatics funding scheme to make data from healthcare research more useful and meaningful. It provides around 180 million euros with the aim of strengthening medical research and obviously improving patient care. All of Germany's uh, university hospitals have joined forces with research institutions, businesses, health insurers and patient advocacy groups to create a framework uh, that harnesses re- research findings to the direct benefit of the patient. I would therefore now like to invite Mr. Michael Marshallek to tell us a little, a little bit more about the Medical Informatics Initiative and the HiMed Consortium, uh, which includes 18 academic institutions, among them the Peter Institute for Medical Informatics. Mr. Marshallek will have a short presentation and then we will continue the debate afterwards. Thank you.
4: Before I can speak about HIMED as one of the four consortia of the Medical Informatics Initiative, I have to tell you about the Medical Informatics Initiative. You mentioned the aims. It's 180 million euros. It's funded by the Ministry of Education, so not by the Ministry of Health, but it has close ties to that. The funding measured should not only strengthen medical research, but also improve patient care. So we have to prove within four years that we can actually create benefits for the patients. And more or less all the university hospitals in Germany uh, are together on this effort and create uh, what we call medical data integration centers. These are hubs to um, make the data from hospitals shareable. Uh, this is in Germany, uh, in German, the slide. Sorry for that, but I couldn't find it in English. Uh, we have three phases, one in initiation phase 2016 to 2017. We are currently just after the audit of the establishment and networking phase. And we are hope to, hoping to get a third phase where we can establish new use cases and confirm everything that we have worked upon. We have four consortia, like uh, I mentioned before, which have somewhat different technological approaches. I will tell you about ours a little bit later. Uh, but all of them work together in a national governance uh, structure and harmonize their, for for example, um, information model. I don't want to go into detail with this slide, but the important thing about uh, uh, this slide is the National Steering Committee where all the four consortia with the different technological approaches work together in working groups, like, for example, on the semantic interoperability, about the information models, which are now harmonized with the national EHR, which came a little bit later. We have different approaches and have different consortia, but we're working uh, on the same end of, of this um, effort. Our consortium, we have uh, about 40 million funding. We have eight university hospitals, uh, which come together with data integration centers. And we have uh, academic partners and industry partners like Dell, for example, or NEC and uh, other partners networking. What do we want to achieve? Uh, We want to make medical data usable or reusable for research and care to optimize research and translate the results into faster uh, care, guided by FAIR principles, of course, and everything is, is a key message is open and interoperable. So we create layers which can be provided by different vendors and everything is open and based on interfaces. Um, we have three clinical use cases uh, where we show that there's a benefit for the patient and we also have a comprehensive and quite large uh, teaching concept, the uh, high education is its name. OK, uh, so what are the challenges? Uh, as we heard in the last talk, in the last uh, three quarters of an hour, data quality, of course, is standardization, interoperability, as always, data protection, as you may know, in Germany is a high degree. Um, standardizing data not only uh, with local structures uh, in university hospitals but also on a national level and we have oh, we started this project we have uh, come to slovenia we have uh, traveled to norway norway and to other countries and copied some of their governance uh, structures uh, and uh, up to now in heimit we have um, uh, information model models uh, with two thousand five hundred reviews and very strict governance concept with about 100 people, including clinicians, uh, with a core team of 20 uh, modeling persons working together. And uh, of course, the rollout is always uh, a challenge to non-university hospitals. We have created an open source platform uh, for that uh, to keep the costs down. Uh, What's the focus of the medical data integration centers? Uh, We do not have a centralized, but a federated uh, data storage. Uh, so, this makes it a uh, little bit difficult. We are, as uh, uh, we do, uh, built on open standards, like I mentioned before, like IHE. We use for uh, data models and information models, we use open air, combined with fire interfaces and terminologies like SNOMED. Uh, we are currently implementing analysis layers and working to integrate into local uh, um, processes. Okay, the Heimic Core Principle, as I mentioned, is an open platform uh, that confirms to uh, FAIR principles. We use common open standardized data models also in uh, collaborating with the international community uh, based on open air and uh, use the AQL standardized query language for that. In our um, use cases, in our uh, data integration centers, the data are stored in electronic health records based on open EHR, and these are implemented in the same way in all these uh, eight university hospital locations. And so that we can remain vendor neutral, uh, as far as the, the platform is concerned. And the important thing is that we cannot only share research data but we can also share the clinical applications that we build on open interfaces thus creating an ecosystem of uh, applications. And w- This came quite handy during the pandemic because we are very flexible to share not only the data but also the applications for example the smart infection control. This is an analogy uh, to the usual uh, smartphone systems. We create something like an iOS or Android for clinical application systems and then can build on top of our repository with open APIs, the applications that we can share across our network or even across uh, borders. These are our our three use cases. Oncology focuses on rare oncological diseases where we share the data across the sites in a molecular tumor board. The cardiology use case focuses on heart failure and uh, on the integration of wearable data into these data integration centers so that wearables can be used seamlessly. Uh, in actual care. And the infection control use case, there we have created a software system that is able to track infection chains within hospitals for those infections so that you can backtrace where the infection actually comes from. It use, uh, used to be created for bacterial infections, but we have switched the system to, to the COVID uh, virus uh, data. So what was our reaction to the pandemic as we have a flexible and open approach, we could uh, react pretty quickly. We have, amongst others, they used our open uh, source platform project uh, for the development uh, of the core platform of COVID-19 hospital data in Germany. This was quite a success for us last year uh, and up to now. And we have established our infection control use case for tracking SARS uh, infections in hospitals. And we have also rolled this out, for example, to the uh, Charité Hospital. So not going into detail in this uh, uh, image here, the central data platform is based uh, roughly on a high-made open source uh, project. So this is a central data platform for COVID. This has an open-air core and fire interface, and also a smart on fire interface. And in a software development kit. And so this is a platform that can be used not only to share research data, but also to involve different stakeholders, like citizens, researchers, uh, or decision makers. And the other highlight that I wanted to show is our smart infection control system that, uh, sorry, it's in German again, this this was modified for backtracking COVID-19 infections. So whenever within a hospital, you have a new a positive test, uh, which is not on a COVID ward, then you can backtrack where the infection might come from and you can investigate further. This is quite handy for the uh, hygiene people. What's uh, what the outlook of HiMate? We want to establish more, and especially intersectoral clinical use cases, reaching out into the primary care, not only between uh, university hospitals, We want to roll out our uh, platform as uh, software as a service or as containers to regional uh, hospitals and networks and we've already begun to do so also in the light of the COVID pandemic and the first step will be another big uh, funding project, Uh, it's a cardiology hub where we will also include primary care systems. We will also um, strengthen our high education approach um, with an own certificate, and uh, we'll try to establish new and further clinical decision support systems and to integrate wearables as a role model we have uh, our use cases. And this was a quick overview. Fabian, if you want to add to that, uh, please do so. Otherwise, I thank you for your attention.
1: Thank you very much. Can I just ask, you're using the open data approach for the research data collection. Can you tell me why have you opted for that approach? What persuaded you to adopt the open data?
4: It's uh, it's not not really open data, but the information models are open and uh, the interfaces are open. Uh, So uh, that we can uh, also invite uh, vendors uh, to build new applications on our platform ecosystem and have shorter development times for new applications uh, in the the, the clinical side but also of course on the research side so whenever you want to create a new registry uh, or have have a quick application that does something like uh, for example calculate some um, uh, risk scores or something on on the basis of cardiology data then you can do that very quickly and easily. And that's uh, why we publish all of our information models and have an open approach. But this does not mean that everybody can access. Of course, we have, do have uh, strict uh, data protection rules and uh, consent uh, implementation in our uh, project.
1: Thank you. Mr. Machon. what is your perspective from the insurance point of view on the secondary use of data? How does the infrastructure in Slovenia Cardio decision making and systems optimization.
2: Health Insurance Institute of uh, Slovenia, we are uh, collecting a lot of uh, data from healthcare uh, providers. In uh, uh, 2013, we renewed uh, the system for reporting and invoicing healthcare services, and from that time, the partners are sending us quite detailed uh, data about services which are then paid by health insurance and also medications issued at pharmacies and medical aids provided at pharmacies and special um, stores. This data is, first of all, used for controlling invoices, if the invoices are correct uh, to the contracts and, and to all the rules, but also finding possible errors and also fraud. All this data is stored in the warehouse and analytical tools are used to analyze this data, but this is uh, somehow some some kind of primary use of data, but we also use this data for other activities, like for example, for audit activities afterwards, making medical and financial audits, but also for developing or preparing some new development steps. For example, new uh, models of invoicing healthcare services, calculating costs, evaluating some proposals, for example, from ministry or from medical sphere for some Changes, for example, I don't know, changes to the prices of uh, services or changing the ways how to evaluate certain services and so on. Very important, maybe one of the important, um, interesting ways of uh, using data is also to preparing quality indicators. For example, we prepared several indicators for quality prescribing of uh, medications. So every physician. Are gets an annual report which is um, available on the web and where um, he can track his results of prescribing, for example, how he is dealing with polypharmacotherapy, how how is he prescribing, for example, for medications, for management of pain or for drugs, according to the um, other patients, other specialists, other physicians, what is, for example, the Slovenian average and Is he, are there, his data over or above the the average? Recently, we prepared also some quality indicators for hospitals, for first areas, for example, gastroenterology and where we, for example, measure the inpatient stay and for example, readmissions, some complications and so on. And again, the healthcare provider can see his data. How is he according to to, to some averages? And we have here plans uh, for the future, further plans for these quality indicators. So it's a really an important basis for several activities here and also not only for operational issues, but also for development, for preparing some development, development steps. And we also combine this data uh, with some other data, for example, demographic data, so that we can calculate some data according to the geographical attributes or according to, them, to some characteristics of patients like age group and sex and so on. So it's really important. And of course, we all, all the time we need to manage the, also the money which is available for health care, so really to manage or to manage the cost and so to prepare certain actions where we can, we can spend some money and really to provide adequate quality of care.
1: You analyze the data and then you get some information, but how is that information used? How does it help you in what you do?
2: of course there are several examples where this data is used internally inside health insurance <clears throat> but as i mentioned certain data is also published so it's either is publicly published on the website either is published on the secured part of the portal where only for example every physician can get his own data or every health care provider can see his data and of course some national averages or some cumulative data so that he can see how what is his ever what is his part or how are his results according to the, to the average, for example, of all the hospitals or all the general practitioners, for example.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, thank you. Mr. Prasser. you are the professor of medical informatics at the Berlin Institute of Health at the Charité uh, University Hospital in Berlin, and uh, you spend a lot of your academic focus on enabling medical development and research, on how to enable medical development and research. Uh, prerequisite for that is data integration and data sharing on an appropriate infrastructure. What are some of the practical examples at Charité that are una- enabled the connectivity within the HIMED consortium?
5: Yeah, first of all, I would like to say that the Medical Informatics Initiative and the activities around HiMed that Michael just presented are really vital or central to the, the strategy of Charité in this regard. There's quite a range of activities that are going on in Germany right now. A few have already been mentioned. The Medical Informatics Initiative provides us with the core facility in terms of the data integration center, providing technical but also organizational means That are required to network uh, within the hospital, but also, of course, with other um, medical centers in Germany. But there are other activities. Uh, you already mentioned the National Electronic Health Record System of course and uh, the core data set of the, of the medical informatics initiatives is being harmonized with the data model that is being used. There's also the Krankenhaus Gesetz, so the Hospital Future Act which uh, aims at digitizing German hospitals and will probably lead to a better availability for example of data on medication and uh, the Netzwerk Universitätsmedizin which Michael also mentioned that has been established as part of the COVID-19 pandemic so this sort of all uh, comes together. And um, we are really strongly building upon the data integration center that has been established. But what I would like to point out that uh, this is, of course, not only um, a technical challenge. So there's a lot of work going on data harmonization, for example, on making data not open but fair, so findable, accessible, interoperable and reusable. But there are, of course, also a lot of organizational and cultural challenges involved with this, so the need to, for example, establish data governance structures, uh, use and access committees, agreements that have to be signed. And this, I think, is also one of the the core reasons why the Medical Informatics Initiative is so important, because all those processes and structures have been harmonized across the German uh, university medicine. And there is a range, as I mentioned, of really practical examples. Our contributions to two of the high mid use cases, infection control and also cardiology our contributions to the netzwerk university medicine where we Provide data on the uh, clinical course of uh, COVID 19 infections, but also a lot of in house projects. So, quite a lot of researchers uh, get in contact with the, the data integration center or the related structure that we have at Charity, which is called uh, the health data platform, to uh, get access to uh, healthcare data for secondary purposes, to perform various observational studies, for example, to do data analyses. And so this has uh, really been um, a huge success. And um, also maybe uh, as a last comment on, on the technical basis, we're establishing repositories. And Michael already mentioned Open Air, but we're also in establishing um, a Fire clinical data repository. And we have established an, an IHE infrastructure, all also significantly pushed by what is happening in the MII for the medical informatics initiative and this is of course also very important for us to connect with other healthcare providers also within the the Berlin hospital landscape there's for example Vivantes as another very large hospital and we are increasingly working together and the activities that have been mentioned also contribute significantly to this
1: you mentioned earlier the use cases oncology cardiology and infection control are there plans to uh, expand this nationally are there any specific use cases that you already have the plan to be uh, used for the uh, research data
5: yes of course the idea of the medical informatics initiative is that there are use cases within the four consortia and of course, all consortia aim at rolling out their use cases also to other sites. This has, for example, happened with the infection control use case in Hymed to the Netzwerk Universitätsmedizin, so this pandemic network. But there are also two cross consortia use cases within the Medical Informatics Initiative focusing on rare diseases and polypharmacy. And maybe, uh, Michael, you would like to, to add something to this.
4: Not not really, but we we also have local use cases that we establish at Hanover, for example, about nephrology, about transplant patients, where we reach into the regional hospitals and use the high-made technology for that. And we can even roll out this this technology stack uh, in in a containerized way. That's what we do basically in in the COVID uh, platform as well. So, yes, we will create new use cases and hopefully if we get into the next phase of funding until 26, then we will uh, be uh, asked to establish more uh, cross-consortial use cases.
1: Uh I will come back to that. I just first want to ask Mr. Starlinger. You're an MD and a computer uh, scientist, and a certified specialist for medical software regulations. Your scientific research focuses uh, on knowledge mining and representation and predictive analytics. Given the current progress of healthcare digitalization in Germany, Where do you expect most impactful changes?
6: We've heard a lot of things about how infrastructure is currently being rolled out and how that infrastructure is enabling both gathering of structured healthcare data and the dissemination of this healthcare data across hospitals or within hospitals to begin with, across hospitals, but also across different sectors of the healthcare system, like through the national and patient health record. And I think we will see three major impacts this um, rollout has and this gathering and availability of structured healthcare data. Number one, and we've heard about that already today, is the, the secondary use of this data for generation of evidence, right? Doing large scale analysis over big healthcare data to generate evidence that creates or identifies ever more personalized diagnostic and treatment options for individual patients. As a second line, I think as a second impact, I think we will see how this evidence then becomes available in clinical practice guidelines, right? So once you've created evidence, this evidence has to be evaluated by medical specialty groups and their evaluations in the form of recommendations have to be published in clinical practice guidelines which actually represent the standard of care at a given point in time in these practice guidelines these recommendations for our diagnosis and treatment of patients then actually have to be linked with the data available at the hospital so the best possible treatment for the individual patient can be identified so the awmf which is the organization the leader organization in germany for quality insurance, uh, quality assurance and publication of clinical practice guidelines is currently preparing a a shift in the way clinical practice guidelines are published in Germany from the standard um, PDF report kind of publication to a more structured computer readable format in an interoperable way so that clinical practice guidelines and recommendations can then be linked to the data that is currently already being collected at hospitals so that these recommendations can be fed into more, more, let's say in a more seamless way into the treatment process. And as a third, maybe even more long-term kind of impact, I think maybe one of the biggest impacts on our health in general will be when the data and recommendations in a very personalized way that we've been discussing actually become available to the individual, to our like health decisions. We as individuals, maybe not even as patients, make in our everyday lives. We actually see some of these effects on top of the German infrastructure already since about one and a half years. We have DIGAS in Germany, which are digital applications that can be prescribed by physicians to patients to facilitate um, treatment processes and which are connected to the national German infrastructure. And I think we will see much more of these kinds of applications that directly actually target the patient and possibly not only target the patient in their treatment process, but also target us as individuals much earlier on, taking in all sorts of data from our electronic health record, but also from, standard health sensor data that we generate all the time to help us improve our daily health decision-making individual daily health decision-making um, on an evidence-based level so i think along the lines these are these are the three ranges of most impactful changes i would expect
1: Thank you for that. Can I just go back to the medical informatics initiative? As you said, it will end in uh, well next year. And I think you just mentioned that you're hoping it will be extended to 2026. But can you tell me, what what do you actually expect to happen with the solutions that have been developed and all the workflows and everything that has been implemented? How do you see that going forward?
4: As, as I mentioned, I, uh, what uh, what Johannes just described is the Holy Grail, of course, that we are all aiming for and um, that we want to make individual decisions. And I think uh, that we have now shown uh, with a little delay due, uh, due to the pandemic that we can integrate. And that is the first step, as as mentioned before. Uh, that we can integrate the data from different hospitals, from maybe also different healthcare providers. We are working also with large insurance companies now for going cross sectional That once we can really have these data in repositories that that have open models and open application interfaces, that that we can go for the next step of uh, what what we think about uh, the learning healthcare system and going back to the patient. And that's what we have not done yet so intensively as we would have liked to do, going into the direction that Johannes just described, into the direction of individual decision support systems. And I think that's where we can go. We have faced a lot of challenges uh, in the medical informatics initiative, um, not only in harmonizing and coming together with 35 university hospitals. You can imagine that this is quite difficult with lots of more persons behind this, but we have uh, come uh, to this harmonization of information models and data models, and now we can benefit from that in the next phase and really going to the clinical applications. That's uh, what I hope for as a p- formal clinician.
1: Mr Lagos, also, can you add a comment to that? And your, where, where do you expect the development of uh, digitalization in healthcare in Germany? to How do you expect it to go? For,
3: for the telemedic infrastructure, I really do hope that we can uh, move on from a closed uh, system, what we actually do have for the infrastructure, and those applications running on that, going to an open platform module. Like Starlinger described, it would be best if DIGAS, for example, could interactively use the data gathered in the, the EHR, for example. But I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, by now. So every application on the telemedic infrastructure, the EHR, the medication plan, the e-prescription and so on and so forth, are closed jobs. They don't have any open interfaces at all. And even if the patient wants to share his data with with another application, he can't do so because there are, by default, no interfaces, uh, no interfaces allowed. And I do think uh, that's the main part that has to change. The the whole telemedicine infrastructure uh, on which the physicians and the clinics do their daily business operating on a digital basis is designed with uh, privacy and security first. But in such a strong manner that the data actually can't really be used in a good and open way that the patient and his physician would like to do. So I do think we need a, a shift in on how we think about digitalization. That we still keep the efforts on data security and data uh, data privacy. We, we still take them as really important, but again, then take a look on how to use that data uh, in a way that the patient and his physicians would like to. Not opening up the data for big digitalization companies, but instead that, well, maybe at least for the patient himself and for all the ph- physicians that could operate with that data. We're not there yet. The laws are still an act prohibit those interaction with the data. I really love to see the medicine initiative enabling the use of the data for the physician. That's really a great effort. And I would love to see a shift from that initiative over to the cure infrastructure for the daily business of pharmacies, that they will be able to work with the data. But we're not there yet, and I don't see any legislative initiative for, for changing that by now.
1: Mr. Martun, can I ask you now, the National the Health Insurance collects a lot of patient data, and would it... They... Is it possible that it would make it available to researchers, as we see now how important it is to, for the secondary use of data to be analysed in order to prevent in the seasons?
2: Yes, of course. We already have some practice providing data to certain high schools, the university for preparing some research. For doing some research, it is also quite. There are also strong demands regarding data security, so it's always quite a difficult task to, to go through this evaluation. So, if, this, if certain data can be delivered. To, to some research institution because of it's always a question if are they in anonymized enough to be to be able to proceed or to deliver but of course yes we are happy for all these initiatives and it is there are a lot of opportunities by using this data of course.
1: And uh, can I just ask uh, Mr. Stalinger? as an MD by background, what would you say from the medical perspective how would you comment the current progress being made?
6: So I think from a medical perspective, especially the aspect of evidence generation on a much more fine grained level than we've seen it so far is really important. And I think that's one of the, to me that's one of the most interesting things that this structured data availability actually enables. So being able to identify in much larger patient cohorts on a much more detailed level with much more individual parameters taken into account, which treatments actually work for which specific groups of patients and for which other groups of patients these treatments do not work. So I think that's like from a medical perspective, I think that's one of the biggest impacts we might be seeing individualization and personalization in healthcare.
0: You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health, a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Before you leave, I have a quick invitation for you. During the 26th and 29th of October, I will be moderating the European Patient Forum Congress, which will focus on the digital transformation of healthcare. Healthcare is built for patients, and in my view, this congress is a great opportunity for healthcare leaders to gain insights into the latest digital health policies on the European level and the critical patient view. So if you're interested in joining, find more information on the link in the show notes. Stay tuned.